Okay, good morning, everybody. Hey, I'm just uh, curious, how many Cleveland Indian fans? Yeah, okay. That's kind of what happened in the first service. How about how many Cubby fans? Okay, how many of you don't care? <laughs> well, those of you who are Chicago Cubs fans, probably all of you that are baseball fans, would know about the curse of the billy goat. And uh, that happened back in 1948 when the Cubs were playing the Indians in the World Series. And Billy Sierras, who was the owner of the Billy Goat Tavern, brought his goat to the game. And it didn't go well because people around were complaining about the odor. And so they had to escort him to the exit. And before he left, he said, Cubs ain't going to win anymore. And they haven't made it to the World Series since. And now they're down three and one. So we'll see how that plays out. I mention that because it's interesting. And I think, well, Jesus loved to use current scenes and practices from his day to illustrate spiritual truths. He may have used that. I don't know if he were here today. He would talk about a sower scattering seed. and Maybe there was a sower on the, the hillside behind him when he explained about the kingdom. He would talk about a candle that would light up the darkness. He would speak of a lost sheep that a caring shepherd would go after and communicate spiritual truth through that. Maybe today, if he were here, he would use computer lingo and talk in technical terms to reach a generation and explain spiritual truths. In John's Gospel, Jesus spoke a lot about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that would come after his departure. You see hints of it early in the Gospel, then in John chapter 7, he's talking about those who come to him and believe in him would have rivers of living water flow from their innermost being. And John said he was speaking of the Spirit that would come after his departure. When you get to John chapters 13 through 17, it's called the farewell discourse or the upper room discourse where Jesus is giving last words to his disciples. You have five distinct passages in there where he is talking about this coming Holy Spirit. He wanted them and us to know who this Spirit would be, what He would do in and through the lives of His followers. And sandwiched in the middle of that, He gives us another analogy that relates to the Holy Spirit, but He uses a different picture, and that is of a vineyard. Now, vineyards covered the hillsides of Palestine and produced many grapes. And Jesus was communicating in John chapter 15 to his disciples, and that includes us who are followers of his, that God expects his people to produce fruit. What kind of fruit? Well, not grapes, but as the scriptures say, the fruit of righteousness. Not that we'll be perfect, but that we need to be growing in Christ-likeness. God expects that. The fruit of praise from our lips that will give glory to God. That's not just singing on Sunday morning, but that's lifting up His praises through the week, through prayer and through worship and just thanking Him. He talked about the fruit of souls that would come to Christ through our ministry, 
our individual witness and our corporate ministry in this community. There needs to be the fruit of people coming to know Christ as Savior. The Apostle Paul, he spoke of fruit coming from the lives of believers to the church in Galatia, and he worded it this way. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When you think of these fruits and righteousness and praise and others coming to know Jesus, would you say that there's fruit coming from your life, that fruit is being produced on a consistent basis? If not, the words of Jesus are really important that we're going to look at this morning. And if you're like me, and you say, well, I'd like to see more fruit, more fruit through my life, then these words are really important as well because Jesus tells us exactly what is necessary for fruit to flow from our lives. And so we're going to consider that. But the essence of this message is fruitful living is assured when we're connected to Christ. There's an outline in your bulletin, and I want to just uh, share some principles that relate to John chapter 15. Here's the first. Your life will bear abundant fruit when you're connected to the true vine. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. The vine had become a symbol of the nation of Israel. In fact, the disciples in the upper room where Jesus was delivering this teaching to them, he'd washed their feet, they'd celebrated the Passover meal. Later that evening they would leave and go down to the Kidron Valley and up to the Mount of Olives, and that's where he would be betrayed. But as they left that upper room, the temple sat up above them. Above one of the gates of the temple was a golden vine embossed there, a symbol of the nation. It's possible that when they went on to the Mount of Olives, that uh, Jesus gave part of this message here, right there. It's speculation, but he could have stopped and taken one of the vines there and said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. They understood that. They lived in wine country. Some of us are geographically not very close to wine country, and we don't understand the vine and the branches and all the analogies and pictures that go with that. Uh, but, but they certainly did. In our culture, in our day, maybe he would have said it something like this. I am the true server, and my father is the IT manager. I mean, they, they, they got it in their culture because they knew their scriptures. And their Old Testament had much evidence of Israel being the vine. For instance, in Psalm 80, it says, you removed a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground before it, and it took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shadows, and the cedars of God with its boughs. What's he talking about? That's Israel. Taken out of Egypt, God planted it in a land that he had cleared, the land of promise, or Canaan, and he planted it so that it might flourish and grow. And then Isaiah, seven centuries before Christ, writes this. Let me sing now for my well-beloved a song of my beloved concerning his vineyard. My well-beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. 
He dug it all around and removed its stones, and he planted it with the choicest vine. And he built a tower in the middle of it, the temple. He also hewed out a wine vat in it. Then he expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced only worthless ones. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah, or the southern kingdom, his delightful plant. Thus he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold, a cry of distress. When God planted his vine in the promised land, he was looking for good fruit to be produced. He was looking for righteousness and for faithfulness. But instead they turned to immorality and to idolatry and to oppression of the weak. And so God would eventually bring judgment upon that nation. But we think of Jesus now coming and saying, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Israel made a big mistake. They began to think that the life was in themselves rather than due to their connection to God. That was a false vine. The hope wouldn't be in Israel. The hope would be in the God of Israel. And they had become arrogant. And they looked at the nations around them as disgusting and thought they were superior rather than living up to their call to be a light and a source of life to the nations around them because all nations could be connected to the source of life, God himself. They had misplaced their confidence in who the vine was, and Jesus said, I'm the true vine. And we look back at Israel and we think, how could they do that? And yet, it happens all the time. People today choose false vines instead of the true vine. Certainly that happens with false religions. It happens when people join a cult. But it even happens in churches where people think, my denomination is it. This is the, this is the true vine. Or my church, or, or my pastor, or this particular Bible teacher that I listen to on the radio, that's the one. He's got it. Actually, the true vine is Jesus, and any uh, counterfeits will never bring life. Anyone who claims to be the true vine other than Jesus. I, I mean, even good things can be false vines, like our work. We think, that's the source of my life, my identity, or this relationship, or, or this recreation or hobby that I enjoy. That's where I get my life. Boy, that's a false vine. And we'll never derive life unless we are committed to and connected to the true vine. Second principle is your life will bear abundant fruit when you submit to the gardener's shears. Jesus continued in verse 2, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. They were disciples. They had trusted in Christ. They were forgiven, but they needed to produce fruit now and more fruit. So I've got a picture of a vine here. And so often we don't understand uh, how it works if we're not really connected to wine country. But uh, this is the vine 
These are the branches up here. We think of this as the trunk. Actually, this is the vine. These are the branches. And he says here that if it doesn't bear fruit, that uh, he takes it away. Okay, these, 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 these are taken away, these branches. But if they bear fruit, they are pruned. That's an interesting word. It actually means cleansed and lifted up. Because what happens is vines will tend to trail down into the dust and they can't produce grapes down there. So the vine dresser or the gardener has to lift them up and he actually ties them on uh, these trellises so that they can be in the sunlight and produce grapes up there. That's what he does for us when our lives get down in the dust. He comes if we're producing fruit and lifts us up, cleanses us so that we can produce more fruit. Maybe today it would be worded like this. Every computer in me that does not produce internet data, he unplugs. And every computer that connects, he defrags it so that it may speed up the connection. You are already defragged because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now, some branches are unproductive, and there's a reason for that. In a vineyard, if you don't prune the branches, they'll give all their sap and energy to producing more leaves and more branches. But when the vine dresser comes along and trims them, it forces the sap to produce grapes. And so that happens in our lives as well. Our vine dresser is the father, and sometimes we get off track. Sometimes we get into sin, even as believers, and he needs to prune us by bringing discipline into our lives through one form or another and when something happens in our life one of the questions we should ask is am I off track here Lord are you trying to get my attention in any case he wants us to trust him sometimes we need to repent and get back and let him lift us up again prune us but sometimes it's not sin sometimes we're busy with other things we're distracted we've let other things uh, occupy our attention and so he can prune us there as well just to get us refocused get us uh, to connect with him the source of our life then there are many things by the way that block the flow in our lives and uh, need to be checked with discipline one of the primary ones in I think believers lives is for unforgiveness we've been hurt we hold on to that hurt we're angry, and we don't want to forgive, even though we've been forgiven by the Lord, and that can block the flow of the Spirit through our lives. Certainly addictions can do that. Uh, other attractions can do that. But the Holy Spirit convicts us, maybe even through a message, that we need to let that go. We need to turn from that. We need to forgive that person, and then we can let the Spirit produce that fruit through our life once again. Here's another principle from this passage. Your life will bear abundant fruit when you choose consistently to abide in the vine. It's a choice. Jesus said in verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. It's not a word we use very often, is it? Abide. But it means remain in me. Stay connected to me. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Who, he who abides or stays connected 
He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Got another picture here. And it shows the vine and the branches up here laden with fruit. But let's just say that one of those branches decides, I've had enough of the vine. I'm going to go over here and just uh, lay on the ground and produce my own fruit. It's not going to happen, is it? It's just going to wither and die over there and the fruit will rot and there'll be no more fruit. And Jesus is saying, isn't it obvious? You think you can produce uh, fruit of eternal and significant or lasting value apart from me? It's not going to happen. You've got to stay connected to me because my life flows through you as you abide in me. He may have said it this way today. Stay connected to me and I to you. As the computer cannot go online of itself unless it is connected to the server, so neither can you enter cyberspace unless you are connected to me. I am the server. You are the computer. He who is plugged into me and I in him, he displays many files. For apart from me, you're offline. <laughs> and then in verse 6, he says this. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. I think I may have another picture here, and it shows that if you are connected, if you are abiding in the vine, it's inevitable that you're going to produce fruit. And, and, and here's the thing. Do you think that those branches are straining to produce that fruit? Working hard to do so? No, they're just abiding in the vine. And that's true of us in our relationship with Christ. If we're staying close to Jesus, we don't have to work hard to produce the fruit of the Spirit and to be you know, growing in righteousness and seeing people come to know Christ. It, it'll happen inevitably as we just stay close to Jesus. But if we're not connected and, and we fall to the ground, uh, he said they're picked up, cast into the furnace. What does that mean? Well, scholars and theologians have disagreed over that uh, through the years. But one possibility for sure is that they were really never connected to the vine, that uh, they were just outliers. I mean, certainly in the church and down through the ages, there's been those in and around the church that have never put their faith in Christ. They may attend church, they may do religious activities, um, but they've never really trusted Christ and His sacrifice on the cross for their personal salvation and invited Christ into their lives so that the Holy Spirit comes in and seals them for the day of redemption. And so Jesus said, that when people stand before him, there will be some that will say, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me. I, I never knew you. So Paul said, it's important that we, we know that we're in Christ, that we confirm our salvation, that yes, we have believed we've received that spirit. We need to be connected to him to have life. Maybe he would have worded it this way today. If anyone does not stay connected to me, the server, 
He is thrown away as a useless computer and gathers dust. And they gather them, but they will not be taken to the electronic recycling bin, but be cast into the landfill. If you stay connected to me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and you can surf the net at will. My Father is glorified by this, that you churn out uplifting, beautiful information and so prove to be my PCs or Macs. I think that the Lord wants us to know he wants to produce fruit through our lives. All this beautiful fruit that we want to see come through our lives as well. But he's saying there's only one way that's going to happen. Stay close to me. Abide in me. What does that mean? How do we do that practically? I want to give you a couple of thoughts toward that end. When I was a kid, we used to sing a song in Sunday school, Deep and Wide. Any of you remember that? Deep and wide. How many of you would like to hear me sing that? Yeah. Forget about it, okay? <laughs> Not going to happen. But anyway, deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. That's the fountain of those living waters that flow from our innermost being. And, and I want to suggest that if we want that to happen and the fruit of the Spirit to flow through our lives, we need to grow deeper and wider with our relationship with the Lord. One of the ways that we can grow deeper in our relationship is every morning. Get out of bed and just open God's word and just ask the Lord in prayer, speak to me through your word. And then just let him do so. Maybe you're in an Ohana group and you're reading those scriptures. That's great. Or you can start through the Gospels and just take a paragraph. It's not a speed reading program. It's just letting the Lord speak to you through his word and asking him how this relates to you after you've understood what, what is the meaning here and how does it apply to me. And then just uh, ask him to make this true in your life. And I'd encourage you to journal about that and just date it and just write what, God, what God's saying to me. Now, he's not going to speak to you in a powerful way every day, but just stay in there because he will put his word into your heart. That's growing deeper just in that relationship. And then... Take him into the day with you, into your meetings, into your discussions with family members or classmates, teachers, whatever it might be, so that the Holy Spirit is convicting us when we're about to say something we shouldn't, so we don't, or maybe directing our words in another way or our decisions, our actions. He'll, he'll remind us what he's shown us consistently as we've grown deeper in that relationship and help us even in reaching out to those around us. When I was about 20, I had really drifted from the Lord. I'd made a commitment to Christ when I was nine years of age, but by 20, I was in a pretty backslidden condition and D came to Christ and then we committed our lives to Christ. Well, I was working construction at the time and so one weekend, I made that commitment to Christ, and I went back to work the following Monday. Something happened, and out of my mouth came some pretty bad stuff. And it's like, whoa, I, where'd that come from? And I realized, well, that was the way I always talked, you know? And, but I was convicted. And within a week, I was talking in a whole different way. And I knew that wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit convicting me and changing me from the inside out. That's what he does. And uh, it needs to be a continual abiding to where he is able 
to continue to change us and to help us to produce the fruit that will bring glory to the Father. That's his desire for us. But if that's going to happen in your life and in mine, if we're going to bear more fruit, we have to choose every day to abide in him. Let's bow together for prayer. Lord, we're so grateful that we don't have to produce this fruit. We just need to stay close to you and that you promise through our lives this kind of fruit will come forth. I would pray for each of us this morning who are followers of yours, who already believe, who already have the Holy Spirit within us as a gift from you, that we would allow the Spirit within us to convict us if there are areas in which we've blocked the flow, that we will submit to you and abide in you so that increasingly this fruit will be displayed in our relationships with family members, with people we uh, are at and are around daily, for unbelievers that we come into contact with so that their lives might be refreshed by those rivers of living water. And I would pray this morning, Lord, for anyone here who's not sure about a relationship with you. Maybe he really hasn't genuinely trusted in your sacrifice on that cross personally for forgiveness. That today that person would be able to say, yes, Jesus, I do believe you died on that cross for me and I receive not only your forgiveness but the gift of the Spirit within. Lord, come into our lives. Yes, uh, let us be aware of your presence because your presence dwells within us. We want to honor you as we produce fruit for you, Lord. We pray in your powerful name. Amen.